0: This is For Fox Sake. Hello and
1: welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby in For Fox 8 HQ1 and in For Fox 8 HQ2. Mr. Rob Hayes, how are you, Rob? Hello, how are you?
0: Very well, thank you. We've finally managed to find a mutually convenient time where we can actually both sit down for an hour and talk about Leicester. You know, we, we, we text each other quite a bit about Leicester and then we try and sort out a podcast a week in an ideal world but you know in a realistic world once a fortnight but you know we've seriously struggled the last couple of weeks haven't we we've got a lot to rattle through in quite a short space of time
1: we do it didn't work out last week at all i was uh, working late and your best time is later on say in the afternoon or evening so it just worked completely wrong it worked all against us but in the meantime leicester have been plowing on regardless And playing very well. Winning games of football, Rob, in the Premier League, which is the top flyers of English football, if you didn't know. And also in the League Cup, uh, which is a competition for league sides that Leicester have done quite well in uh, around the turn of the century, if you didn't know. So uh, just to bring you up to speed with uh, with what's what. But uh, since we've been with you on the podcast, we're not going to really talk about i mean we don't know until we we get into it but my theory rob is that we won't talk about each game in itself we will discuss in terms of players their strong points and their merits and what they can work on and and what they've done over the last three games all merged into one big conversation rather than just go over a game that happened
0: a week and a half ago say at luton for example um yeah. yeah i think that's a good a, a good idea because the, the there isn't an an awful lot to talk about in terms of it being a, a topsy turvy couple of weeks shall we say we've we've normally got a lot to talk about on this podcast for one reason or another but i would say that everything that we'll talk about in the next um in this episode will be largely positive because everything is largely going in exactly the direction that we hoped for at the start of the season so it's all going to be a positive and here's a little improvement kind of chat rather than it's not like we are putting a an absolute storming performance and a poor one. You know, we're we're working very much in in positivity today, aren't we? Well, we are, but we can start because I put on Twitter about what can
1: we improve on um, and uh, a few replies. Uh, one of them from Richard uh, Enriquez saying um, not to be afraid or daunted by the so-called Big Six next week will be as much of a test for Liverpool as it will be for us which is true because when we go and visit Liverpool next week and I know we haven't spoke about the other games yet but I don't think those games against Liverpool and Man City really will determine that they're kind of bonus points yes you want to play well you want to get points every opportunity and it's a great way to to showcase your side and you know go for it there's no there's no point in not but uh when I think he means you know not be daunted, I, I think I think he just refers to maybe those those games, and also if you go back to United that because that was uh, now on the face of it it looked like a a, a disappointing and, and it was a bit of a shame really we couldn't maybe take advantage of some of the chances but now you look at how United have fallen by the wayside big time and the way that we're playing it looks like a real missed opportunity so I think you weigh that up alongside the Spurs win and you can kind of see where he's coming from not be afraid look what we've done against Spurs take it to the big six because we are um, in the the thoughts of most sane football fans the number one side who are going to break into that top six probably towards the end of the season it will form the, the, the basis of Leicester being a top six side, maybe even pushing higher. You never know. Now, at the moment, they're in third early days, 14 points from the seven games. Um, What I think we should start with then, Rob, I tell you what, let's do section by section. So we'll start with the defence. And yes, against Newcastle, filthy weather, horrible day. But they didn't have an awful lot to do. But what they did, they dealt with it Well, and it's almost one of them games where you're looking at Soyuncu, who really is the, the the talking point. Chilwell's doing his stuff, and Ricardo's yes, he's grabbing the headlines, scoring goals, etc. But he's playing as well as we know, so he's playing really well. But we know he's he's a very good player. Soyuncu, he's step by step ticking the boxes of can he do it against the big man? Can he do it against the big sides? Uh, can he do it when it's tipping it down and you're playing against a side who maybe only have one or two uh, real big attacking moments so he's got to switch on, dealing with a, a greasy... You know, all that sort of thing. He, and he's answering all of those questions in some style.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, um, obviously, at the weekend in the game just going against Newcastle, they weren't particularly uh, particularly tested. But like you say, it's a good measure of how focused the defence can be because they are only going to get one or two chances Newcastle if that um, and they did don't get me wrong you can't keep at a, any side completely shut out for an entire game without even a sniff of a chance but yeah they, they did very well and look, we've, we've spoken about this before in terms of Johnny Evans being the perfect partner for somebody like Suyuncu for somebody like Harry Maguire even for somebody like Wes Morgan because you just know what you're going to get with Johnny Evans and that's not a bad thing in any sense whatsoever Um, I saw on social media over the weekend a few non-Leicester fans saying that that the only thing that's maybe going to halt Leicester City being in the top four this season is Johnny Evans because um, I think it was a United fan actually that put it on they said oh yeah he's a bit of a donkey and he, and he keeps on proving that I, I, I think far from it look Yes, Johnny Evans is more limited in terms of having the ball at his feet than than Soyuncu, and yes, the centre-backs do see a lot of ball, but I think our full-backs are playing so well at the moment that Johnny Evans hasn't got to be exceptional on the ball because he can find the full-back who's going to do something like Ricardo did against Newcastle, start a move on the halfway line and go and score a goal. There were a couple of times against Newcastle yesterday where I saw Evans pause and I thought, oh my goodness me, what is he going to do here? And then he fired the ball 30, 40 yards into the feet of a midfielder who was dropping off in and around the halfway line. So I don't think that 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 criticism is justified. and I don't think by any stretch Johnny Evans is a weak link in in many senses. I think if we had another centre-back like Soyuncu or Maguire next to Soyuncu, we'd be in a lot more bother. The full-backs have done their talking. You know, Ricardo's done his talking, particularly going forward. Um, and he's now been, um, his name's been dropped in conversations where people are discussing the best um, fullbacks in the Premier League, and I think that's justified. Chilwell is getting better this season. I think he had a bit of a wobbly start. Uh, I don't think the little niggle helped, but he's finding some consistency now and, and doing what we know he can do. Um, so defensively, although we haven't really been properly, properly tested. Um, I think we're looking very good. I think so as well. Uh, I think any any
1: any opposition fan criticism of uh, of having Johnny Evans means that they they're not watching any recent football at all. They just don't know what they're talking about. I think he's a better player now than he pretty much has been in his entire career. The one thing I will say is that on this podcast we were not critical but we 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 said especially, especially myself really uh, he says patting himself on the back regarding McGuire, with the fact that he brings the ball out and he had so much of the ball yes he he's a very good player but at Leicester because of the deep line nature of saying indeedy and when they brought in Tillemans he didn't need to be that ball playing centre half so now that we don't necessarily have one yes we know you can do it but we want him to, to, to curtail that we want him just to calm down and just do his stuff defensively it's helping the side. And when you have someone like a Dennis Pratt playing, where he's going to be naturally more deeper than, say, Tillemans would be if he plays alongside Ndidi, a great player then to just give the ball to and then start the move. But also, from a defensive point of view, the fact that the defender then can get back in position and and, and be solid at the back. I think the two centre-halves have been excellent. I have wrote down something about Chilwell. Uh, Ricardo will leave because we all know what he's done the goals have been fantastic what a player tremendous chilwell though now i've i'm going to completely argue against my first point so this is weird i've put and this i was i was writing this down during the game against newcastle and i thought this against tottenham and i've said before that if one player was to leave next year and it was chilwell i think at the moment what's happened with Leicester in terms of replacing him, replacing Maguire with Sorensha, we could easily do with Chilwell. I.e. we wouldn't miss him an awful lot in terms of how we play and in terms of our on the field. I think off the field, he's friends with everyone and he's, he's, he's a good lad, good player, but he's not been influential. And I think we could we could replace him with, with, with a decent fullback. But... So I've got needs to improve his basic pass and, of course, his delivery and his cross. Um, We'll talk later on about Albrighton and how when Albrighton came on, say, against Newcastle, instantly, as you would expect, the crossing and the delivery and the final ball from the left had improved because Chilwell didn't need really to get forward. But I've then argued with that case, saying that, well, he gets in those positions, he plays so high up, and again, maybe because the, the because of the way the centre halfs playing that the two defenders, uh, the two fullbacks can go forward so far, Ricardo can do what he wants on the right basically, and Chilwell does the same. And yeah, me and pretty much probably every single person, especially in the east End, when we're attacking the cop, there'll be I think a lot of them would be very critical of Chilwell, but he gets in those positions, he makes himself available, he's really quick, he is quite direct. But his final ball is really poor for me. And then when he plays with Harvey Barnes, another player I want to talk about, you, you look at that side and you're just wanting more. But then again, they are two young players, so there's still a lot to work on. But yeah, Chilwell's just a funny one for me. I think he's playing okay. I'd only go as far as okay. I think he's quite solid defensively. But just just that final third, it's starting to get to me now. I think that's the point.
0: yeah. It, it does bother me a little bit and, and I completely agree with you when, when Chilwell starts with Barnes on the left-hand side because neither player themselves are their own finished product and their their end product on the football pitch is probably the thing that lets them down the most at the moment and it comes with sort of composure and experience really, doesn't it? Um, You know, somebody like Madison, it's his job to have a final ball that's full of quality. Like same with Tielemans. They're two young players whose job it is to to play quality final balls. Um whereas with somebody who's a, a direct pacey winger like Barnes, that's his first skill. Someone like Chilwell as a full back, his first skill is is defending. Um so it is sort of a secondary skill, but it's one that if they are to um, live up to and fulfil their own potential, they're going to have to refine and soon. Um, and I think from a Leicester City point of view, uh, it is it is something that is going to have to improve to further improve our team. And those little differences that we're talking about now, it sounds like we're sitting here being all pessimistic, but those little differences are the difference between being really good... And being great—that is true. And because he gets forward, he—he's given
1: himself that opportunity. The the great play of Chilwell is the—the the, the ability to get back as well, because he's got an engine and because he's quick. But to get in those positions, and his relationship is very good with everyone in the team, and and he makes very good decoy runs down the left for someone to cut inside. He gives himself plenty of opportunities. So maybe it's the fact that he, he gives himself so so many opportunities to either cross or deliver a final ball or actually shoot on goal that we are critical of him because he's getting himself in those positions. A bit like a centre-forward who's missing a load of chances, but he's sprinting away from all the defenders skinning them and then missing loads of opportunities. You'd you'd criticise them, but they're actually making opportunities for themselves. And you are right, if we are gonna be a top six or further club, then then we need to work on that. Um down that side as well, Barnes, great player. I I I really like Harvey Barnes and he just needs that end product. He's a young player. Again, it's very easy. He's a young player. He's maturing with every single game. Yardy, yardy, yardy. Yes, that is true. But he just needs to calm down. When he blazed that one over against Newcastle, and there was a few chances against Spurs where his final ball wasn't great, he's, he's going to be taken off after an hour, which has been happening um, either through game management by the Manager, but for me, it's most of the time it's just a, a light for light swap because there's other people there. Rogers obviously likes him in that position. I thought it was a lovely ball for Vardy with his first goal against Newcastle, Dennis Pratt before that. We'll talk about him when we go into the midfield. But with Barnes on the left, it's just everything's fine. His pace, his power, he looks like a Premier League player, his confidence is there. He just needs he needs that goal, he needs that just to calm down in that final third. But is that gonna be something that will come with age? You'd hope so, and you'd expect so. And I've got no problems at all with him playing, and it's great to have a young Leicester lad in the side, in the starting lineup, and I think most people, if they were to put down their first team, first eleven at Leicester, he would be in there. Um but it's, it's just that end product again, isn't it?
0: Yeah, of course it is. Um, but like you say, it's something that will come. Don't forget that this time last year he was playing in the Championship um, for West Brom and we, we, we recalled him in January to come back into the Premier League. So he's only really had half a season around the first team uh, of a Premier League club. And all of his attributes are great. Uh, he has scored one this season, which which will obviously give him confidence in his own ability, was it? Half-decent strike, to be fair. Um, but, yeah, it's the, it's the finesse. You know, if he'd have gone on the run that Ricardo went on yesterday against Newcastle, would Harvey Barnes have produced a cultured finish like that with his weaker foot into the bottom corner? I mean, the answer was blatantly obvious in the Newcastle game, no, because of the one that he blazed over the bar. So it is just that rush of blood in and around the penalty area Um but, but one benefit, I guess, for Harvey Barnes there is that when he's got the ball, if, if he's having those slightly indecisive moments or, or unpredictable moments on the ball, he's more likely to beat a player. You know, you you're not you won't be able to sort of guess what he's going to do one-on-one. But in terms of final ball, final product finishing, yeah, that is um, just something that needs... Well, I'm, I'm sure they'll be doing work on it every day. You know, we we are by no means football experts. We're sitting here saying what we see uh, and what we have seen. Um, they will be working on it. Absolutely, they will, uh, and it will be something that will come with time.
1: I predict that Harvey Barnes, at one point, and we all hope that it will happen soon. All of a sudden, something's going to happen with Barnes. For me, I think he's going to score a goal, which just which he did against Sheffield United it put him in the the spotlight but he's going to score he's <coughs> excuse me he's going to score again he's going to do he's going to have two on the bounce maybe three on the bounce he's going to have two or three really devastating performances something that clicks all of a sudden these young players either just in one game it clicks and then they step up a notch i think with Barnes we're just going to wait and then it's going to happen and i'm pretty sure it's going to happen it, all of a sudden the big conversation in the Premier League, and maybe revolving around in England squad, etc. It was all Madison after two or three fantastic performances. I think Barnes will have his moment where it will be a full performance in front, maybe on TV, for example, maybe on Saturday, hopefully, uh, at Anfield. I, I really think it's going to happen. I really rate the play. I, I think he's a, a, a tremendous prospect. So, and what a great upbringing he's, he's had. He, like you said, he's been playing in the Championship. He's now... A first team member and a f- he's in he's in the best eleven. He's being played in a side who are flying. What what a great um football education he's he's having. But um again, if you're trying to just pick holes, you know, there is one. But a, th- a thing is gonna happen, hopefully on, on Saturday. Now in midfield, Tillemans has really kicked on against Spurs. Um he was he, he was very, very good. And it was the Tillemans of old against Newcastle, yes, because of the nature of Newcastle who, who we'll mention just for now they were awful they were awful when when you when you're watching the game and the balls over on the right wing and you're seeing the left back for example and uh the centre halves you, you you get a you get a, a bigger idea a better picture of who they are as a side and they were wandering around that pitch in the rain which made it look a little bit worse probably but I don't. I think what's happened there with Steve Bruce, he's, he's told them all not to come in today as punishment. I don't quite know what that was, but yeah, he didn't really want to talk to him. He didn't want to see him. Again, he, he was watching what, what I was seeing and what, what we all saw, that they just didn't put it in. And th- I thought they were absolutely dreadful, but Tillemans looks to be completely back. He ran the game against Luton, as you would expect, scoring a goal, but Against Newcastle, he didn't really have a lot of pressing in midfield on him, but what he did, he did very well. And also, he looked very comfortable alongside Dennis Pratt, who I thought was very, very good, but reminded me of Danny Drinkwater instantly. With the goal for Jamie Vardy, when he controlled that ball, turned, and then instantly... A great ball over the top into the instep of Barnes. Great then, Barnes over to Vardy, who a guy full of confidence, bang, goal, near post, job done. But that control and instant pass, I just shouted drink water straight away. That that was a 15-16 a drink water. And his relationship with Yuri Tillemans, you could tell. You could, you could tell that they enjoyed passing to each other and playing in the same midfield with each other Um, and it was really pleasing to see a guy who when we signed we've heard all these things about him he's he's a very good player very solid player and I think there's an awful lot more to come and now he's got his chance and he's taken it I thought he had a really really good game
0: Yeah I was very impressed and I think the interesting thing when he first signed for us was that the different wherever you read something about him or or listen to or watch something about him, nobody was quite sure what kind of midfielder he'd be. You know, some some people were saying he's an attacking midfielder, and then other people were then looking directly at the stats, saying well he's not been involved in many goals, he doesn't score many. But I think what we've got there in Dennis Pratt is somebody that can do whatever job you want him to do in the centre of midfield, and usually that's that's detrimental to to some level of ability. It means that they're better at something than others or it means that you're restricting them in certain ways. But I think when you've got the midfield balance that we've got now where you know you've got Ndidi's going to sit deeper, you know Tielemans is going to dominate the middle section of that midfield um, and then usually it's Madison playing a bit further forward. In, in whatever sort of shape you want to draw it in, that is... That is essentially how the central midfield three work. But I think this time it just was a little bit tweaked, wasn't it, with Ndidi sitting and Pratt and Tielemans almost exchanging um, turns at going forward. But what I like about Pratt is that he physically doesn't mind putting himself about. He, He wins a lot more ball than somebody like James Madison. Uh, we haven't seen a full range of passing from him. I don't think he's got quite the the finesse that Tielemans and Madison have got. But like you say, that little drop of the shoulder, make himself half a yard in the centre midfield, instantly look up and hit the channel for Barnes with a perfect pass. Reminds me of one of, of a very effective central midfielder that we that we once had, who's gone off the rails a little bit. But you know that's for another time. Um, very impressed with his all-round game, and he is what Brendan Rogers said he is—an all-round midfielder. You could expect and be happy with seeing him on the edge of our penalty area just as much as you would on the edge of the opposition's, and and that's a a nice thing to have, really. It is for me. It would be a if it was football manager. It would be a CM. It would be a
1: centre midfielder. That's what he is. I know he's played out in different positions for various clubs and his time and his time at Sandoria, etc. But uh, yeah, he, he just looks like a very solid, good midfielder who, depending on chances in terms of position in the side, will have to wait and see where he slots in eventually or will he be just in that kind of picture alongside the likes of Chowdhury, etc. And um, I, I've got no, no problem with the fact that he could play, that maybe even drop back a bit, he could go forward, could play any role. Uh, it was good. And also the, the fact that with the sending off, which was... a a stone cold sending off a lot of Newcastle fans on on the old social media weren't happy because of the Chowdhury tackle in the cup I'm not entirely sure what the uh, relationship is between those two weeks and weeks and weeks apart in different competitions and stadiums but it was a bad tackle it was an unnecessary tackle why he did that in that position the argument of he got the ball first doesn't matter if you get the ball first and then go over the top and a leg bends in an unnatural way, which it did, and Pratt was very lucky not to be very seriously injured, that is a red card. Somebody at work today who got the completely wrong end of the picture, he turned around and he says, well, what happens if a guy jumps in two-footed and doesn't get the ball and doesn't get the man? Is that a red card? And I'm like, well, if he got the man, though, you can't argue with the fact that it was a red card. And I thought the referee was very efficient in sending him off straight away because it could maybe from one or two angles not appear as bad and then there is that one angle the clear angle from kind of behind to the right um that gives you the the full kind of bend the leg and you know, um and so for for Pratt to continue after that because this wasn't a guy who goes down wait until the red card and then go right actually I'm I'm okay you could see him hobbling off he was he was hurt and yet he played on and had uh, and had a really good game and a really good second half shown by the the assist. So it shows that he has got that metal as well. And anyone who is a mate of Yuri Tilleman's and makes him happy and play football better for Leicester is a mate of every single one of the uh, of the Leicester support. So uh, so really good in midfield. Out wide, Mark Albrighton. We have had a message, Rob. We've had a message. Uh, from Sam, who requested nice things about Mark Albrighton on the next pod, please. Uh, so there we go. So I thought about that, and I went, okay, what, what nice things can we say? Mark Albrighton, one of the one of the the favourites of the crowd, but I've put down straight up to pace. So when he came on against Newcastle, yes, not the. The game where it was a million miles an hour, and it was against you know Spurs or against Liverpool or whoever, but he was straight up the pace. He was accurate with his delivery. Everything that we criticise Chilwell for delivery for indeedy for the goal, um, and and I think that's that's really what more mark albrighton's about his professionalism and that you can rely on him you can rely on him for delivery which is his best part also to be more solid on that side if we need that he he just will not let you down in whatever way shape or form you bring him onto the field to do in what position or what job
0: yeah you can rely he is mr reliable and you know he he recognizes that and i think he's I wouldn't say he's content with that because what's happening is it's it's making him a safer option to have on on the bench rather than starting games in the eyes of Brendan Rodgers at the moment. But I don't know if you read his um the article the interview with him in in the Athletic, but he was he was saying, "Look, he I'm all right with it. I am a professional. I will work as hard if not harder." to be match ready when I know that I'm not starting week in, week out because he knows what job he's got to do for the team and for the squad and we talked about it with someone like Christian Fuchs a few weeks ago slotted straight in to replace Chilwell with absolutely no bother whatsoever and and looked every inch the quality player that we know he is and Mark O'Brien's exactly the same and yeah, exactly not necessarily up to pace in terms of physically or intensity, because he didn't need to show that against Newcastle. So we, we we can't answer that question. But in terms of up to speed with the with the game itself and having his eye in and having um the weight of touch and the quality of delivery, absolutely, straight there and that's something that is very, very rarely lacking in Mark or Brighton's game. So you bring him on and instantly you get quality delivery um, that resulted directly in, in a goal for Leicester. Uh, the kind of goal that we've seen Brighton and Vardy link up for countless times before. Mark Brighton is a fantastic player to have in the squad. And the fact that his mentality is I am here to do a job as one member of this group regardless of whether I'm starting five games in a row or only getting 20 minutes here and there. Um, his mentality and approach is everything that we need at this club. And I think, I know we, we, we'll be looking forward to Liverpool in a, in a bit, but I think in order to maintain some width in our team, but also ensure a bit more solidity down the left-hand side, I'd be considering Mark Albrighton for a start on Saturday. And, you know, we're not, we're not just talking about Albrighton because somebody who listens to the podcast on Twitter has asked us to say nice things about him. He would have come up anyway. Um on the basis of that game and what he brings to the team and the football club. So I, I'd be really considering him to start and no slight on Harvey Barnes whatsoever, but to start in front of Chilwell on uh, at Anfield at the weekend. And it's a nice that Brendan Rogers has someone like that in
1: the squad who I, I, I completely believe that, you know, he is content even if he's not being a starter, of course he wants to play, but, He's been given a, a a decent contract at Leicester. Whatever money's on him, beyond good money, because the time he's been there, bonuses etc. With winning the league, but also, I think it was a three-year deal he signed recently, at uh, at the end of last season, possibly or midway through last season. But it gives Brendan that opportunity to, to use him in a different way that he would use, say, Gray. Albrighton uh, didn't come on against Tottenham. It was Gray who came on, along with Chowdhury and Pratt, for various reasons and for various players in different scenarios which you need you can't just write we need someone on the left who can uh, be a bit more insightful a bit more uh, a bit more impact a bit more pace oh we'll bring Albrighton on we need someone who can deliver a ball yeah we can bring Albrighton on or uh, we need someone to to link the play up with Vardy or, or or whatever oh we look on the bench and it's Albrighton it doesn't happen now because you have those other options there and because there's a number of players in the side who can play in different positions, you can swap them all around. That's a really good feature of having someone like Albrighton having the, the squad that we have. It means that you don't you're not asking the person to do a job that they're maybe not proficient in doing. You actually have everyone for their own certain role, which is which is fantastic. But yeah, Albrighton again, he definitely would have been mentioned because of the the setup for. Um, for the goal for indeed and also the fact that I mean, straight away I, I, when he came on I was just impressed because he hadn't played in the Premier League yes against Luton but in the Premier League he, he hasn't played for you know for a couple of games which because it happens so quickly and because you know nowadays everything's about what's just happened and what's about to happen in a couple of games if you haven't played you can be quite easily forgotten. So the midfield, and Didier's Didier, he's done his job, and he scored that goal to round off a five-nil win. It's also nice to get five, wasn't it? I think everyone had that kind of look. We're winning four-nil, cruising, no problem. But let's just go. Let's go to that level. Let's get that five, the biggest top-flight win since was it eighty-six or eighty-three or eighty-four. So in the eighties, eighty six. The, the only start, the I'm only the only one
0: I can remember is the biggest Premier League win. I know all records didn't start when the Premier League started, but yeah. Oh right, I'll I'll try and find. I don't know how I'm going to look for this. I think it's eighty six. Let's just say with biggest that, but, top flight but, win since the eighties.
1: Yeah, biggest top flight win since the eighties. If it's eighty six, then then tap on the back for me. I'm going to try and find it whilst you whilst you talk about that. But surely uh, you, I'm
0: sure Rob would have been in the same boat as me, going, come on. Let's get five. You know, we really do want that fifth. Yeah, of course. And it's not just about setting records and, and writing something else down in, in, in the record books in terms of it being the biggest Premier League win. It is, uh, uh, of course, it was against a 10-man team that will struggle in the Premier League with 11 players this season. Absolutely no question about the fact that they're in a relegation dogfight already and they lacked a bit of quality and definitely lacked a lot of steel um which I think was Steve Bruce's biggest gripe um, yesterday. But it shows the clinical nature and also the level of intensity that Leicester were able to maintain throughout that game. You know, at 4-0, it could quite easily have been Soyuncu to Evans, Soyuncu to Evans, and back again forever and a day. But the fact that Leicester kept going, it was relentlessness. It was just it wasn't even necessarily to prove a point, but it does prove a point. It, it was Leicester still working equally hard to win the ball back in the Newcastle half in in the eighty-fifth minute as they were in the fifth minute at four 0 up as they were at nil nil. And that is so good to see that the that the players can put in a ninety minute performance like that. Because it is different. If you're playing in a game where it's close you're naturally you're more focused if you're playing in a game where you're behind you, you the automatic response from fans would be raise their level so the players should raise theirs as well but when you're absolutely cruising and you're in no danger whatsoever of anything other than three points to maintain that shows a real ruthlessness I think is is a, a, a sort of good description of it. And it is that kind of ruthlessness and that kind of clinical edge that is going to make Leicester contenders for European football next season. It
1: is. Fingers crossed as well. I can't find this. Did we win away? 5-1. No. it's uh, Oh, no. We played Sheffield Wednesday, 1987. So 86-87. I'll, cl- I'll claim that. We beat them at home 6-1.
0: And this is the biggest victory since then.
1: I yeah that I, I'm sure that's got to be right then, isn't it? Because we've not it yeah we'll go with that. <laughs> that's that's what I found doing this right. So we'll we we'll, we'll count that. Out. But but yeah, it does. It it means that we we can turn over those sides, which is what a a big big club does, which is what a top six side does. They they they. When they're playing against a side who are completely rubbish and devoid of any confidence and down to ten men, they win five or six nil. That's what that's what we do. When it comes to Jamie Vardy and you're looking at the forwards, you're throwing Madison as well. I know he didn't play against Newcastle. Madison, I suppose we'll start with Madison because his performance against Tottenham was was exceptional. He carried on that form. The way he jinked into the area that was an example of the of the quick feet that we. We knew he hadn't but had really used them to that extent as he did against Spurs, but also that turn of pace which has suddenly developed from somewhere. But also, the confidence is pouring out of his ears. I mean, anyone who can spend as much money as he spends on that rucksack, what a great response, by the way, to (laughs) the story in the sun by saying, what was it, carrying that rucksack,
0: what was his exact words? It was something like, I'd rather be carrying that around than one of your in inverted commas, newspapers, something like that. That's right, yeah.
1: But but again, that that's who he is. Fair play to the lad, what you know, twenty two year old lad, twenty one year old lad, you know, earning a lot of money at Leicester playing well, future England international, spend the money on what you want, you know. But when he's on the field, he is extremely confident at the moment. Great goal against Spurs. Blockbuster goal, headlines and all that. But it was his all round game. He was fantastic. Shame he got injured and hopefully he's okay for Liverpool, I probably, if I had to choose right now, or whether he's going to play or not, I'd probably err on the side of I don't think he will, because he, you know, he was limping and it looked like a, uh, you know, a couple of weeks at least, and I don't think they'll risk, even though he is a good player, I don't think they'll risk having a half-fit player on the field at Anfield. I don't think that's going to happen at all. But he was exceptional. I thought against Spurs, brilliant performance. The ability, and, and some people have likened him. I don't like comparing players as much as I turn around and said, perhaps like uh, drink water. But it was, a, it was an eerily similar pass for that goal. You ha- you have to admit his control in his pass was eerily similar. But he's been likened to many players. He's set ball delivery, he's been likened to Beckham. I have absolutely no idea where that's come from because I don't think it's like it at all. I know how he addresses the ball there is a maybe slight way because Beckham had a that technique and and Madison's got a shade of it. There is a there is a hint of that there, but another player that he's been likened to, and especially that performance against Spurs was Gazza. Now I don't know whether that's because he's in a similar position and he's English and he's young and he's bursting on the scene, as you would say. I don't I can't really see it, but those jinks into the area where he beats one or two men with quick feet and he's fairly direct that was gaza so you never know but i'm just going to throw that out there that's other people saying that not me so don't <laughs> criticize me but uh, i thought he was he was brilliant against spurs and again just carrying on the form that he showed in the previous few games and hopefully this time next year or maybe towards the end of the season We're sitting here talking week in, week out about how we can possibly hold off the real big boys. You know, you're looking at your your Liverpools and Man Citys and maybe even European sides. You know, how can we hold on to this player from all the big lads? Because that would mean he'll have an exceptional
0: season. Fingers crossed we're doing that. Yeah, and by by the end of this season, he'll have an England cap as well, at least one would imagine. So it's his performance against Spurs was great because it, he added an extra dimension that we haven't really seen yet. We talked about his physicality in terms of being able to put himself about in the middle of the park a few weeks ago and how that's improved. He just looks more robust physically. He looked a bit scrawny when he first came from Norwich and I think we said the same about players like Riyad Mahrez and Damari Gray in the past um with madison though the the ability to beat somebody at pace is something that we've not really seen from him before he can beat a player with a pass absolutely the killer pass is there he can beat a goalkeeper um all ends up from a free kick he can find himself an extra half a yard on the field with a neat turn we knew that but I don't think people had really seen much in the way of evidence that he could beat people at pace and he, and, and commit defenders. Uh, and now we've talked about that physicality and we always knew that he had that ability with his feet. It makes sense that he's starting to demonstrate that because he's carrying the ball at pace and it is still stuck like glue to his feet. That that You know, when I think, I think about the Madison performance against Spurs... The, that run and the goal were the two things that stuck in my mind and they both highlight improved areas that James Madison himself has managed to to turn up a notch in his own game. We talked earlier about Chilwell and and Barnes having areas to improve. Madison is his own biggest not critic, he doesn't I don't think he'd criticise himself, but he, he's he's a student of his own game and will work really hard to improve it. And he said himself after the Spurs game, my job is to get more goals this season because I know that I didn't contribute as many as I'd have liked last season. So confidence running rushing through his veins, have a dig from just outside the box, trust your ability, match-winning, headline-grabbing goal, and that is what he absolutely lives for. And he's showing that um, on a consistent basis now. Um, with added extras to his game, which is, is brilliant to watch.
1: Yeah, you just hope that the injury doesn't knock him back in terms of that. I don't think it will at all. And you are completely right. It's these players who all of a sudden, they, they either step up through age or through experience and they show something different. Soyuncu is a prime example. We hadn't really seen him, but we knew there was a decent player, but we didn't know how good. Madison, again, these, that, it was that chink into the area in the first half, shooting towards the family stand, the north stand. I've never seen that from him before. The way he he beat two or three players in the area. And they all, they must have looked at each other and gone, well, I'm not tackling that. You know, one touch, he's down. It's a penalty. No problems. VAR. I mean, although we'll come to that in a sec. But except that's fantastic. I'd, as soon as that happened, I, I was aghast because we've seen him for a season and a bit and he had never done that before. He'd never had the, 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 the pace and the turn of foot and the... The confidence to do that, and you hope that that might rub off on a Barnes and go. I can do that. A Gray certainly can. He has the quick feet to do that. We wait and see, and we'll, we'll. Who knows? As I said before, we might have a proper, proper player on our hands, and fingers crossed that we do. And Vardy up top, uh, fantastic, brilliant, exceptional. Uh. Wh- 85 goals now, in the Premier League, 85 in 183 appearances. Uh just tremendous! And the day he gets a hundred, we all have a party. The day he gets that hundred. Also, also, and I don't know whether anyone else has been following this. I mentioned it, I think, on the last podcast, which was about nine months ago now. But I definitely, I think, I mentioned it. Um, did anyone else notice that Aguero? didn't start for Man City at Goodison and then came on and he didn't score. So that would have been his, what, seventh on the bounce or eighth on the bounce. Uh, So Vardy's 11 on the bounce still remains as the record. So uh, there we go. I think it was a Lukaku at one point had got to like six or seven, you know, and and it looked like he was conversation was going to start about that and when that, once that starts to, to go then we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens but uh, yeah I don't know whether anyone else took notice of that but there we go maybe fancy players may have, may have done that but uh, we'll come on to that in a bit <laughs> Um, okay VAR now <laughs> I don't like VAR I'm pretty sure you don't like VAR Rob but we're not going to talk about it for long. we got two minutes on VAR. So if you want to fast forward, fast forward now. Because I just need to get off my chest about VAR. Right. The rules have got nothing to do with VAR. Okay. So the rule that he's offside. If his toenail or his eyelashes offside, then fair play. Is that Min Son offside in that? Well, I was dead in line. And to be honest, I thought he was offside when they passed the ball. But... You draw that, draw that line oh my god I mean what are we doing it's ridiculous where does that line start on his shoulder if it was the other way around we'd be absolutely seething but what I want to talk about is what happens immediately after a decision goes against the side they just fall to pieces they always say the best time to play or the, the, the time that you're most vulnerable is after you've scored but that doesn't count anymore. The time when you're most vulnerable is after a decision like that goes against your side, the team just fall to pieces because they don't know who to argue with. Do we argue with the referee? Well, we can't. It's not really his fault. Do we argue with the fourth official? It's not really his fault. Do we shake our fists at the camera, at people sitting in a van in on the A6 or whatever? You know, we don't. they don't know what to do. So they're all a bit of a mess and the opposition score. It, it was, again massively, massively unsatisfactory from a supporter's point of view. We got, we've got, we got TVs in front of us in the press box, so we know what's going on. And everyone's looking down at the lines being drawn and all that. And I'm looking at the big screens in the ground going, well, why aren't you showing this there? People aren't stupid. You can, you know, imagine if you're in the in the cop and you're looking up at the big screen and you can see the line comes across and there's the other line just in front. You go, oh, he's offside, job done. We know exactly who it was. We know exactly why the decision's been given game on dead easy no problem at all but no look at the Leicester goal that was called off no problem with it being called off because he was offside it was a shame because when it happened I thought oh he's he's been dead lazy and not got back on side no not at all he's tried to get back on side as quickly as possible and it's a real shame but show the workings on the screens people aren't what are you hiding why can't you do that why
0: wasn't it in place at the start that's my bit i'm not i'm not going to add too much more uh i agree with all of your points um i think it's a really really touchy subject because son is if if you look at those lines offside but the the question mark is and obviously there will have rules for this and that all of the technicalities are probably published somewhere and I, nobody's got time to read them quite frankly but you know the the technology the video technology how much you can slow something down now is what frame of the video is it considered to have left the the ball player's foot and then like you say i don't think looking at obviously we get a slightly different view um i watched it on um, on BT Sport, the Leicester Spurs game. So I'm, I'm more clued up than than the play than the fans in the in the stadium, which I do agree is a is an absolute horror show for the for the fans in the stadium not being completely it's in the dr- dark. What are they hiding? Ex- why why can't they do but it? If what you looked how pixelated it was, how much they had to zoom in. At no point was the angle <laughs> that they have completely square on to what would be no. the offside line. The, the line oh, no. that's been drawn has pixelated so much. And like you say, <laughs> what part of his shoulder are they going from? What frame of the video are they going from when the ball technically leaves the foot? I just think, you know, we'd be absolutely fuming about it if the decision went oh. against us. Um, yeah. um, because there's got to be a point where you, you can't... There are so many other areas of football that aren't touched by VAR and that are still... Almost solely reliant on human refereeing, right? Why, why in this sense do we have to go down to the nearest millimeter on a ridiculously zoomed-in piece of footage, right? They should just be looking at that on VAR. Do they need to draw the lines on it? No. Zoom in a little bit. Slow it down. Whatever. Say right, Son's in line. Goal stands. I know from a Leicester point of view that changes the result. And I think overall, us beating Spurs 2-1 was the right result based on the level of performance that we put in. Would we have beat them if that goal had counted? No. But we played what was in front of us. And like you say, you are now the most vulnerable to concede a goal when you've just had one taken away from you, especially with such a fine margin like that. So I'm not I'm not sitting here saying... Um, that I wish some was given onside. I'm just talking in a more general way. That kind of decision, as it did when it was down to the naked eye, has to give a little bit of leeway to the attacker. He's dead in line. Sure, I, I, where does it stop? Where does it end? Let's move on. I, come I on, agree. Let's him. move on. That, this is where it ends. Well, no, now.
1: we're, we're <laughs> arguing about a goal that less that wasn't counted, you know, against Leicester. Fantastic. That's what we want, but. I completely agree with you. Let's just say, Rob, you've never seen a, a professional game of football, okay? Or, sorry, no, you've been on holiday, okay, in the Arctic, and you've not had coverage of the Premier League all season. All of a sudden, you turn up to the King Power, and and, and VAR's there, and you go, all right, yeah, VAR, Video assistant Referee. And, they sh- and you see that pixelated line, you'd laugh your head off and go, what is that? Who's using paint? It's it is unbelievably bad. I have no idea how this managed to get in. If they want to line it up from the shoulder or from the edge of the toe or from the knee, I I presumed it would have been from the knee to the to the end of the boot. You can draw a line from the from if you knee downwards, whichever part's in front, that could easily be if that was the case, knee downwards. I'm not I'm not calling for a rule change, I'm just saying if it was from the knee to the toe, that's where the draw the line for offside. It's pretty obvious then, but that thing to the shoulder. Well, where's the shoulder on the turn with the you you know your, your shirt flapping around? It's and then and then you're saying he's two centimeters offside. I'm sorry, it will hurt Leicester at some point. The way we play, Vardy. I mean, even the goal against Newcastle. I still think. Oh my, yeah, hang on a minute. And it turns out he was in... But he was in line. But sometimes, you know, if he's in line now, you know, his nose might have been offside. You never know. He's got quite a long pointy nose, and not he, Vardy, in a weird way. Ugh, it's going to hurt us. It will do. And when it does, we're going to have to, and, and we will, and I'm pretty sure all Leicester fans listening to this are agreeing with us in terms of we know we're arguing about a goal that wasn't conceded by Leicester it was overturned and we won the game fantastic but I'm pretty sure everyone is thinking that along the same lines it was a bit of a mess and a farce but they're the rules that's what they are uh, it will come back to 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 hurt us at some point uh let's just hope it's not this sad well let's just hope it doesn't happen but it it, it will do but uh, anyway that's far what, what a mess um so that's the players uh that's the games Overall, what a fantastic last few weeks! The Spurs game, a brilliant performance. They dropped massively in the last fifteen minutes. They come off a defeat, a draw away at Olympiakos, which may be thought of a defeat because they're in front. So yes, they've been playing in Europe, but it shows Leicester's fantastic fitness. Again, late on against Newcastle, we were the team on top, but we were still going. At full pelt towards the end in fact we were going through the gears towards the end when they were downshifting even more so it shows that we're an incredibly fit team as well as being an extremely talented side the win in the cup quite straightforward against Luton had a couple of friends from work who uh, live in the area down in towards Milton Keynes area so not a million miles at all from Luton and they just turned and said you were exceptional. Tillemans was fantastic. Nice for James Justin to get the goal in. A big round of applause, etc. From their fans. Uh, and it was a, there was one uh, interesting uh, comment afterwards. Because it's not Rogers who does the interviews after the game. It's his assistant. And I've completely forgot his name. Is it Chris Davis? Oh, it's splendid. It's almost like a half know what I'm talking about. Um... With with is it Leicester City? Is it Leicester that's that's right. Uh so Chris Davis, uh, he he speaks at the end of the uh, the couple of cup games we've had the uh, two or three or whatever. And um and it was interesting when asked about uh James Justin or Justin James, I'm gonna call him both way rounds because I'll always do it and I think most people will. Um because I'm, I'm just stupid. But it was interesting because he said about him he's it wasn't just oh yeah he's uh, settled in really well and yes everyone gets along with him and he's he's showing some good parts in that in training and yeah it's nice for him to get a goal on him that would have been a very easy answer to give okay but it wasn't that it was we are mightily impressed with him he's impressed every single person at the club with his maturity yes he has settled in uh, he really is pushing and he's a, a massive massive talent and we're all, we're all tremendously it was glowing praise and it just made me it just caught my ear when you heard him talk in that
0: way. Yes, it's not it's nice to hear somebody being honest, isn't it? You you don't get that very much the, the people speaking to the media these days are very guarded because the media will twist anything you say into whatever story they feel like. But yeah, it, it's it is more than just a stock answer that, isn't it? And it is nice to know because obviously we haven't seen anything of him. We'd seen a bit in pre-season um and the fact that he's making a step up a couple of divisions he's also down behind in the pecking order Leicester's player of the season who's now got two goals in consecutive games from right back and is having arguably a, a better start to this season than than the performance levels that he put in last season so it's not going to be easy for Justin to get in the team it's um he, i think he'll he'll realize and recognize that he's got a lot of learning to do but it's very positive to hear such words being said about him from the management and the coaching staff. And his run, obviously you're playing against Luton, so the the quality of the opposition is is what it is. It's what's in front of you. But his run for and, and Tielemann's pass for the goal was, was excellent and I thought he did a decent job. And I think it was the right game to put him in, not just because it was at Luton, but it was not the kind of game where... We changed absolutely everybody, but it was the kind of game where we could afford to drop in a few of the other fringe players who who wanted and maybe needed a bit of game time. And I think that would have done him the world of good. Uh, and I look forward to seeing him again in Leicestershire soon, probably against Burton.
1: Okay, before we finish the pod with a look to Liverpool, uh, I think it's time for the Fantasy Football League update. So cue the music, Rob. Okay, so the top 10 starts with a tremendous manager with a side who are growing in confidence every week, rising up like the phoenix from the ashes of a terrible start. Yes, they've used their wildcard, but in 10th place, it's super Frank Sinclair, managed by the wonderful Pete Selby. In 9th place, it's FFS, by the fraud that is Robert Hayes. In eighth, Barcelona, Ben Payne. In seventh, I'll do the points in a minute, it's Vini Vidi Vardi, Ben Melbourne. In sixth, it's, uh, oh, what we've got here? Very Slimitude FC by Scott Neal. What's that? Very Slimitude. Yeah. Uh, in fifth, Rogers, uh, the cabin boy uh, for Daniel McCready. In fourth, Pedro City, Matthew Archer. Crack, he had a good week. 88 points. Where did you get that, Matthew? It's up at your side. Anyway, in third, Vardy Annuals, Joe Healy. In second, remaining in second, the big boys at the top of the table. Uh, Saigon Foxes, Gav Brown. But out in front, another tremendous week. Video killed the, the Saudio by Alex Ekonomu. 76 points he's on 513 points he leads the way in the for fox 8 podcast fantasy football league
0: 513
1: points second place uh, 462 bloody hell in third 456 all the way down to 10th which is me on four hundred and twenty-four, Rob, you are in ninth, and you are one point ahead of me. How have I dropped down? I was in eighth place before the game. I've only got one Leicester player. That's my problem. I've got Soyunchu. Um,
0: yeah, I had Vardy. And do you yeah. know what? My fantasy team. I would have scored all the points that Ricardo scored as well. So I went to pick the team, and then I thought, actually, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna transfer Dwight McNeil out because he's he's yellow, so he might not play. And then I transferred him out. And then I thought, right, I'm done. I forgot that I hadn't saved my changes from pick my team. So bloody Ricardo was on the bench. So I would have scored even more. 13 points. points. I know. Oh, dear. I'm absolutely gutted because this one point gap that you're so desperately clinging on to, thinking you're going to leapfrog me, would have been 14. Should have been 14. It should have been
1: because you would have transferred Dunk out because they played at Chelsea. Um, Exactly. That's exactly what what I did
0: do, but I didn't save it.
1: Never mind. I thought I had a good week actually. I, yeah. But I'm 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 clinging on to tenth place, but I had a very good previous couple of weeks. Um I was in about twenty-fifth and uh but lurking in tenth. Now leading the way, that's a big lead already. Fifty odd points or fifty points ish. Vardy is his captain. See? What we're all doing. We're all stupid, aren't we? Got Vardy's your captain. Dead easy. My god, he's got a good team. Oh, dear. Anyway, he's got. Oh, I'll tell you what, we'll read for it. He is leading the way. Well, yeah, everyone can see. Adrian in goal. Uh, back three of Kelly, Loudoun, and Van Dyke. Midfield, Marnay, Sterling, De Bruyne, and Mount. And then Pukki, Vardy, and Abraham up top. Ouch. That is a team. But anyway, that's the Fox 8 Podcast Fancy Football League. Uh, if you do want to join the league, there are 73 of us. Where's my dad? 67th. I don't think he's changed his side since it started. Uh, no, although well, he did have Vardy in it. Anyway, um, if you do want to join the league, then uh, I can pass on the code. If you get in contact with us at FFS Pod, because I'm trying to find it on here and I can't find it. So at FFS Pod, if you want to join the league, um, I don't. I presume you start at the bottom, but there you go. If you are playing. Fancy football. So that's the fancy football uh, for this week. We'll do that every single week or when we are here. Uh, just a quick word on Matthew Archer, Pedro City, doing an extreme role 88 points. He had Vardy, crock, a lot of blue shirts, Vardy, Tielemans, Pereira. Here we go. This is what you want. See, he knows what's going on. Um, Saturday, then. We play at Anfield, Rob. Playing against Liverpool. What, for you would be an acceptable outcome of this game? Not what you want to happen, but what would be
0: an acceptable outcome? Good question. An acceptable outcome? I mean, there's not a team in the league, really, that would that would expect to go to Anfield and, and win. Certainly not comfortably. So I would say, you know, if we managed to do something similar to... Um, Sheffield United in, in that matching them toe-to-toe, obviously we'll, we'd do it in a slightly different way to Sheffield United, of course, um, but there's every chance Sheffield United would have got a draw if it wasn't for a one single goalkeeping error. So, you know, I'd just like us to go and be ourselves. I think that's the key thing. So an acceptable outcome, look, any a point or three points, both of, uh, both of those would be... Um, Very, very, very good. I think an acceptable outcome is to put in a performance level that matches Liverpool. um, And I think see where you go from there. If we played really well against Liverpool uh, and came away with a, a very narrow defeat, I'd consider that acceptable because of the way that they've started, the fact that they are reigning European champions and will be very, very, very close to the title again. So I think we've got to go there. My main thing is for us to go there and be this Leicester team and that for me involves not starting Chowdhury and Ndidi because that instantly says we're scared of you you start one of those and then let's say Madison doesn't play you stick with Pratt and Tielemans in the centre of midfield that says we're coming here to play and that for me is what would be more acceptable than trying to sit in because I think that's why we lost against Manchester United yeah, I, I would agree. Do, I wonder if Liverpool... I mean,
1: you are reigning champions of Europe and an exceptional team who have gone who've got a perfect record in the Premier League, so they probably won't be. But I wonder if they're almost worrying about us more than we're worrying about them. Because you kind of get a free hit in a football, in a football, fancy football kind of way. You get a free hit there, don't you? If we go there and lose, put your hands up and say, OK, Fair play. You just want a respectable outcome. You want them to play well. Who knows? Go there and get something. That's that. That's going to be especially when it comes to five to three on Saturday. All week, everyone's got friends and and um, people they know who support Liverpool. All week, it will be. Oh yeah, they'll be thinking. Yeah, you got Vardy and that playing really well. No, oh, yeah, no, 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 and all this sort of thing. And um, but when it comes to five to three, I think all of a sudden, we'll be like, oh, hang on, you know, look at their starting lineup." That You know, we might be up against it here. It's it's not really a game you can kind of, like, I mean, predicted any game is, is, you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen. No one does. But this one especially, it's just so difficult. Do you shut up shop for the first 20 minutes and quieten the crowd and, and try and build, but then again, they're too good, so they'll probably score, if you're sitting back, or do you go, hell for leather, it's it's a very difficult way, I agree with you, we should just play, our normal game, and and yes, take the game to them, and show our, our skills off, and try and cause an upset, but, I would look at the bigger picture, I would look at the fact, that afterwards, we play Burnley at home, Southampton away, Burton away, in the League Cup, and then Crystal Palace, away, in the Premier League, that for me, would be the most important thing. You don't want anything to happen, a bit like what happened to Madison against Tottenham. You don't want any injuries to star players, first of all. But you don't want anything that would derail the home game against Burnley, the away game against Southampton, the cup, side, a cup team against Burnley, uh, Burton and the Palace away game in the Premier League. That, for me, is more important. So all the players get back okay. Nothing happens in terms of being absolutely walloped and confidence then is lost, or maybe one or two complete rickets from players, and even if we lose one or two nil, say, for example, but they're not complete clangers, if you know what I mean, to, to not their individual confidence. For me, it's definitely the future games. Let's see what happens. Hopefully, we spring a surprise and a shock, and this time next week, it's, oh, God, what are we doing? This is amazing, and, and then we can start going mad. Yeah, then we can start to, to really go crazy. But uh, I just hope we do something. You know, We really do something. And and then when we do play against Burnley, which is not for a while, there is uh, a what 14-day gap in between the Liverpool game and the Burnley game. Uh, you just don't want the players going into that two-week gap on the back of a bit of a hiding, do you?
0: No, of course you don't. We want to go and do ourselves justice and continue the momentum in terms of performances. Absolutely. I I think that's key. I think if you go there and you're a little bit tentative or you don't quite reach the level that you would hope to, um, regardless of the result, that's going to be demoralising. That's going to slow things down a little bit. Go there, put in the level of performance that we have been doing. We've got every chance of getting something. So finally, Rob, what's your prediction then? (laughs) You just said it was not a game where you could do a prediction and I thought we were going to be sensible and move on. Uh, no, prediction. Uh, wait, do you know what I? I've got no idea how the game's gonna go, because there there is just so many different things that could happen depending on what style of play we go for, etc. I'm gonna go for one nil Leicester. Oh yeah, why not? That's that's. That's late 90s Anfield
1: style, that is.
0: Yeah, it was just because, you know what? I think there's going to be loads of goals in the game. So uh, for this one instant, I'm going to go against what would what I think would constitute a reasonable prediction. Because predictions are predictions. You've got very little chance of getting them right. Uh, and I'm going to say that we're going to win 1-0 with a Johnny Evans header. Lovely old job,
1: fantastic. Well, you say our pre- predictions are hard. We're actually on a bit of a roll with the predictions. We've been very good this season. I'm going to go completely the opposite end of the scale. I'm going for a 3-3. I'm going for a guns blazing 3-3. It could be that we're in front 3-1 and then they come back and, and score two late goals. Or it could be the opposite way around. I don't know. But I think there's going to be plenty of goals. Maybe even a 4-3 to whichever. So I, I can just see I can see his scoring. I really can. I can see the confidence from a 5-0 win. Especially with those forwards really kicking in. And the rest of the team as well. I can see Leicester having plenty of shots. Um, and really serving it up to Liverpool. In a way of a team that is confident. But also is not scared in that final third. That's what I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say that if their goalkeeper is still Adrian, in fact, actually, no. Even if they they bring back Allison, their their traditional number one, if he's back, possibly not quite fully fit, but he's back. I think Leicester will look at that and go, "Do you know what? From distance, we've got the players who can put their foot through the ball. Vardy's always worth a shot from distance, and his record is, is phenomenal from those." hot shots you might say I think I think we're going to test their keeper more than I think most sides would do and especially from distance and that's that's my prediction I think we'll we'll score a few and they're going to be from quite far out so so there we go anyway that's the podcast for this week the Twitter handle is at FFS pod for Fox sake podcast FFS pod make sure you give us a follow on Twitter Facebook just type it in and you'll find us on there give us a like and it's fox8podcast at gmail.com on the email if you want to get in contact for any reason at all, ask us a question, say can you talk about this, can you not talk about that, can you refer to this, that and the other, whatever, whatever you want, um, come and and let us know, Uh, good things and bad things, you know, Uh, well all the best Rob, with your team in the Fancy League this week, because there will be that two week gap afterwards, so uh, you are just that one point ahead of me. Uh, no copying. And uh, we'll be back this time next week, fingers crossed. Thanks for listening and, uh, well, for the city.